Yeah, I mean, there's a line in the song. Um, is anything ever going to be even just a little like it was before? And that's kind of, maybe that's a COVID reference. Maybe that's a democracy, our country reference. It felt like everything was so different almost overnight that how is it ever going to go back to where it was in January of 2020 or the summer of 2019. I don't think we're going to fully unpack everything that happened for a while. A lot of long-term effects, just from people falling apart, people, you know, starting over, people losing jobs, people, everything, you know. Even in the music industry, it doesn't seem as stable as, you know, everyone would like it to be. Welcome back to Talking Circles, a podcast about Umphreys McGee's 2022 album, Asking for a Friend. With the record released, we're diving into the final songs on the album. In this episode, we're talking about Work Sauce, a song that, like a lot of Umphreys tunes, came together with some serendipity, some collaboration, and some reflection on these truly unique times. Brendan Bayless and Jake Sinninger lead the discussion of this track. Work Sauce for me was the hardest one to get vocals started and finished for. I, I, it was, to me, one of the most obvious ones that needed vocals. It sounded ripe for it. The instrumental bed that Jake sent everybody, I kind of right away was like, this will be cool. I just don't know what it will be. And it was the last thing that I wrote words for for this because... I didn't have a melody at all. And it was literally, I'm not trying to be cosmic or whatever, but it was Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, January 6th. And I was in the basement and we were off. We had just done New Year's and we had another week off. So I was like, I have a week to get some writing done. And I remember Work Sauce was on the top of the list of things I had to get done. So I sat down and I was like, I have to get something started at least with this. <laughs> you know, I was just kind of banging my head. And then I think it was around lunchtime or something, I went upstairs to take a break and I turned on the news. And I saw the Capitol, like people climbing over barricades and all this and was trying to undo the election or un, not verify the election or whatever and I, my first thought was didn't I thought we already I thought we had this figured out already like that's that's what that line can, kind of came from it's like I'm, we did this so now why <laughs> I thought we had this figured out and that's kind of where the inspiration came from is uh, literally turning on the news and seeing all this stuff get up becoming undone and unraveled and was like this is our democracy this is our our fundamental you know system is now completely being under attack i thought we had this figured out it kind of once i had that then everything kind of fell into place quickly if it was monday january 5th and i was i was determined to get this done who knows what the what it would have you know, fallen out of me as completely different. 
maybe one glimmer of hope in the whole dark cloud of COVID was, okay, here's something that we can all talk about and we can all relate to. And, you know, maybe, maybe through songs, typically we're not going to be as connected because we live in vastly different worlds and blah, blah, blah. But maybe now, not only Humphreys McGee, but what other songwriters in the world, maybe a lot of people are going to be writing about this kind of feeling right now. So this is going to be a very tangible, real, emotional subject that is going to be in books, TV, everything. A song that had been a victim of procrastination suddenly had meaning. And you can't always choose where that inspiration comes from. But for Bayless, it kicked off a direction that ended up forming what the final song would become. Here's Jake Sinninger on the complimentary part of the song, The Musical Bed. Work sauce. Has that, that old school, you know, like it could be on Anchor Drops. A little progressive, a little more 90s um, sort of vibe, like a Stone Temple Pilots-y kind of thing. the week before we were getting together so we we're just kind of adding to the pile and and we listened we all listened to that one and was like where'd that come from and he said i i just did this like three days ago it sounds really cool it's a big open chord clear like vocal anthemic kind of bed but um we sat on it for i mean six months before any progress Right when I heard it the first time that Jake shared it with us, right away I was like, this is great. It doesn't sound like something we've done. I hear a, a vocal potential here, and it sound—it seems like it's just, just the way it's structured. As a guitar player, it's fun. Uh, and that's kind of a hard thing to, to come up with riffs that are, are fun and just, just fun to play because that makes it... I don't know, a little more lively and interesting. There's just something about the the positioning of the dun, 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 and then switching down. Dun. It's got a lot of open strings and a lot of strummy stuff. I, I thought it sounded initially kind of like a, a grungy early 90s. Not Soundgarden-ish, but not just something kind of Seattle-ish. And uh, I think maybe that part of that got in the way for me for a while because I couldn't unhear that. And then all of a sudden, watching the Capitol get, you know, attacked was like that. It just kind of fell into place. As he worked on the lyrics, Bayless knew that he wanted to try something a little bit different. Is is in, It's unique to us because it's the first time that the intro is just like a vocal call, call and response kind of thing. And that was a function of me trying to figure out... And I, I've, I felt weird just starting vocals right out of nowhere. It just didn't seem natural to me. So I, I thought, okay, what if, what if I was singing from beforehand or what I will be? And then it, it kind of turned into this cool intro thing that I remember sending out to the guys and they were all really surprised because that they'd never heard, you know, that as an option before. This figured out 
Once the band got together, the song came together in a collaborative way. I think work sauce, a lot of like the rhythm takes, that's just all of us playing in the room together. And then obviously doing the vocals later and, and fleshing out the guitar solos and doing some uh, layering of guitars, stuff like that. But yeah, the general vibe of that song is just us thrashing it in this little room and just trying to make, you know, riffs that are fun to play, you know. <laughs> Just kind of big chords using all six strings when you're when you're whacking the guitar, you know, just like sound they sound big, you know. <laughs> kind of just big choppy chords, kind of a, a Pete Townsend sort of from the Who kind of da 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 ba da da ba, big ringing chords. We don't do a, a, a whole lot of that either we're, we're more a little staccato-y you know or or this is a little bit more of a strummier atmosphere you know in 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 work sauce and this was the hardest one to record too because uh, there was a part in the middle of it now that is this isn't a way to live and it's just wide open and i had written a line for every one of those so there was probably 12 lines and Greg just liked the the one repeating. And it took me a while to kind of get over that because I've, I've, I really liked what I, the rhymes that I had and the words and the melody that I was singing. And it took a while for me to unhear it. I really liked from the beginning the idea of the whistling being the end. And I know that has not much to do with the song itself, but the song kind of the way it, it starts with this ethereal sweeping in, like there's a vocal effect on it that almost sounds like a reverse. So it almost, it almost kind of sounds like it's not there. The album's over. And then all of a sudden these, this, this, angry yelling happens and then the the way it comes in and kicks is like boom so it's almost uh a not a bonus because i think a lot of people would think that it was over and then all of a sudden here comes this punch across the face and it's really like boom 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 it's really driving it's It was like 
uh, Greg asked me, let's, let's take out the record kind of kind of differently than just ending it on a note. So I remember kind of coming up with something sort of whimsical. Just as, as an insert, we kind of inserted it at the end and it just kind of fades out with this little kind of whistly thing with acoustics. Yeah, it just kind of makes it sort of like, oh, what's next? We kind of had to at least at least go out with, you know, it's almost like a, a fireworks display. It, it's got that little bit of something else at the end, right? So it does go out. It has that sort of extended guitar solo where it kind of keeps going, you know, and stuff. So it's, 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 fun, it's fun like that. And like all Umphrey's songs, Brendan is thinking about how the song will sound and evolve live and how fans will react to this mix of new songs with the older material. For us, if we went out and played the album exactly like the album every day for a year, people would be super pissed, especially Joel. I go back and forth because I think a lot of times I'm looking at the crowd, and if the crowd's way into it, then I like it. But if, if I feel like the energy of the room is deflated, then I get frustrated. Like that, Now we're not doing anybody any good. We have 150 songs we could be playing right now that, that are way better than this kind of noodling. But at the same time, without going there, you don't stumble into those really fantastic, true moments that didn't exist and wouldn't have otherwise. Like, I don't know what I want, for example, we did, we played in Colorado and there was a 10 minute jam in it. And so I think being in a jam band, people almost want the variation. They don't want the album version every time. There's a very uncomfortable state that kind of sweeps over in the middle of a jam that goes wrong. And it's when you're on a stage and there's a microphone and there's lights, everything is amplified times a thousand. So that uncomfortable moment that might only exist for four seconds feels every bit of a minute and it's super exposed and embarrassing right but at the same time when I listen back to all those they're never as bad as I think they are um, sometimes they're great it's just in the moment it's hard to get out of your head because this is your perspective and there's no other way to, to experience this as we were wrapping up the discussion Bayless talked about his thoughts on the album now that it's out. I feel as if it is one of the more complete albums we've done. There's been a few that were kind of just thrown together uh, in between touring bits where we'd have six months and then wouldn't do anything for six months. This was actually the first time that we've had such a long break that we can actually wrap our heads around this is this is the task at hand it's not getting on getting on an airplane it's not doing a mashup or anything like that so i think looking back it will kind of stack up as uh one of the stronger from top to bottom and i like the fact that it had the freedom of songs for song's sake and none of it was ever like this is going to be the jam this is written for the stage. This is written for this this beats per minute because this is going to make people dance and this key is easy to groove in. It, none of that factored in, maybe for the first time. So I think 
I mean, I would like to think we got better shit coming down the pipe. I would like to think that we haven't written our best songs yet, but I do feel like we've we've done some something something that we weren't able to do yet, and I'm proud of it. I love the mystery of it. It's, I love the elusive muse that you have to kind of keep trying to chase down because she's not going to just show up. You kind of have to take a shower and brush your teeth be attractive (laughs) on the next episode of talking circles we'll dive into the track fenced in talking circles is a production of osiris media and umphreys mcgee audio production by matt dwyer written and produced by brian brinkman rjb and kevin browning All interviews and audio used with permission from Mumphreys McGee. Osiris.